time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Hey guys, how's it going? It's a Monday and I'm very excited to share this Vintage Truth time with you. Thank you so much for listening in and thank you for just being a faithful listener to this uh, this podcast each week as I attempt to give you some some just a great meat to chew on. You know, we've, we've got folks from uh, about 22 different countries that are tuning in. I don't know who these people are, but they're listening, and I'm glad that they are. And, and I even have a, a couple of folks who are supporting our podcast a couple of dollars a month. And if you'd like to do that, just go to jeffkinley.com, click on the Donate tab, and you can say, hey, Jeff, here's eight bucks a month to, to help you along in this podcast. And you know, we're all in this thing together. We all support one another and we give to each other and encourage each other in the body of Christ. And that's what it's all about. And uh, that does give us hope in this life. And speaking of hope, you know, we talked about last time this whole um, idea of suicide and what's going on in our country and our world right now. And I, gosh, it was so much to try to pack into one little deal. And, and I'm not going to continue that uh, today. But but I ended by talking about how God's transformative truth, when it when it gets into our heads, when it the Bible gets into us, you know, we start to think about truths, how it really just transforms our lives. It, it you know, it doesn't necessarily make, uh, our, the, you know, the clouds go away in our sky, but it transforms us from within. And that's where God always does his transformation is from, from within, from the inside out. And so today I'd like to share with you among, there are hundreds and hundreds of things we could say, but I want to share with you just seven really thought truths. I mean, these are truths from God's word that will impact the way you look at life. And these things are radical, transformative truths that if you allow them will completely revolutionize your concept of reality and your concept of God and yourself and why you're here, et cetera, et cetera. Let's jump right in here. I'm going to give you seven of these transformative truth thoughts. Number one, here's a thought. If you're a believer, by the way, all these are based on the fact that you're a believer. Number one, your name is written in heaven. God actually has a book of life in heaven called the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus said, in fact, he told the disciples, he said, don't rejoice that you have control over demons. He said, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Luke chapter 10, verse 20. In Revelation 20, verse 15, John tells us about the book of life. Oh, my gosh. You're in. You're in. I mean, there's a ticket with your name on it there. I mean, how incredibly special is that? God has marked down your name in his book, and it can never be erased. And he promises that all those who are saved will be saved forever. So stop worrying about whether or not God has accepted you. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Isn't that amazing? How about this next one, number two? The Father himself loves you. The Father himself loves you. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 16 and verse 27, he says, for the Father himself loves you because you have believed because, excuse me, because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from my Father. God has established a love relationship with you. 
and you have a special intimacy with him because of that relationship. And then Romans chapter 8 and verses 31 through 39 tell us that nothing will ever be able to separate you or detach you from that love. You will never be more loved by God than you are right now. And there's nothing, there is no force in this universe, nothing you can create, nothing you can do, nothing you can imagine, nothing Satan can do, nothing the world can do, nothing bad people can do that will ever separate you from God's love. Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? How about tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril of the sword? But just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Even if it gets to that point, he's saying. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul says, that neither death nor life nor angels, that's demons or good angels, not that they would, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, that pretty much covers it all, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Father himself loves you. Number three, Jesus Christ is returning soon. I have two chapters about the rapture of the church in my book, Wake the Bride. And I cover extensively 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. And this is a promise that God has made to us. And by the way, Jesus has made good on every promise he's ever made. What he said he would do, he did. And he promised to return to this earth one day to take us home to be with him. John 14, verses 1 through 3. His return, according to the New Testament, is imminent, meaning it, it could happen at any time. So there's, there, there aren't any like... What prophecy are we waiting on to be fulfilled before Jesus comes back? Answer, zero. And as soon as the angel blows that trumpet, the trumpet of God, then it's, it's home going time. We're going home. And Jesus is going to return to this planet. And we may very well be a part of, of experiencing that rapturous moment. And so that's why the whole Bible ends with come quickly, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, Christians used to say to each other when they greeted one another, it means Lord, our Lord come. So the church was, if you'll pardon the expression, they were obsessed with Christ coming back. They were focused on the return of Jesus to come back for them because he had left them. He's, we, we didn't see Christ leave us. The early church did. So they were anticipating his return. We should anticipate that return as well. Talk about a happy thought. Christ is going to come back. He's going to make everything all right. Number four, here's a good one. It pays to serve God. It's worth it to live your life and to work for the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, it says, Be immovable, steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing, knowing that your toil in the Lord is not in vain. We saw in the previous passage something about confidence. We saw in, in 1 Thess 4 about the rapture. He talks about, I don't want you to be uninformed. And now he says, knowing that whatever you do for God is not in vain. You see how sure the Bible is? You know, it's not just about what well, I believe or I hope or I think. No, no. You know these things. You can be rock solid 
confident of these things. It's like, it's like, you know, going out to eat and you don't know how much money's in your bank account. And so you're not sure if you want to order the, you know, the, the full meal or just the appetizer because you, you don't know if you're going to be able to cover that with your card when you swipe it, right? No, knowing confidence means you check that balance and you go, oh my gosh, I've got so much money in the bank. I, I, can, I can buy your meal too, by the way. I mean, that's what it means to know, to have confidence means you have the confidence to move forward. And when you serve God, you know that whatever you do for him, it counts. It matters. It pays off. You know why? Because God sees everything that you do. And he's keeping a careful record of all of your service to him, all of your service to his people and to his church. And one day, the Bible says he will present you with crowns and rewards for your service. You will be praised by God. Not in a worship sense, but you'll be lifted up and, and exalted and praised by God because of your service to him. I've got a whole chapter, again, Wake the Bride, about that, about our rewards in heaven. How, how do they happen, right? It pays to serve God. Isn't that a great thought? That transforms what you do. And maybe you're even kind of dreading serving God a little bit. Maybe you're, you've been serving God for a long time. You're just, God, do I, do I keep doing this stuff? Hey, keep doing it. It pays off. The reward is coming. Number five, God is going to make everything right. God's going to make everything right. You know, there's a lot of genuine injustice in this world today. There are a lot of people that are getting away with stuff, that are perpetrating evil, that are rising in government, that are ruling in government, that are getting away with murder and rape, and abduction, and lying, and all the things that happen in this world, all the injustices in this world, God's going to make it right one day. He is. It seems like the wicked are, are, are getting away with everything. <laughs> but God assures us that there will be a payday on Judgment Day. He's going to make a new heavens and a new earth. And on that Judgment Day, no sin will go unnoticed but they're going to be on display for all to see. And so while the ungodly may get away with it down here, God is storing up wrath for all believers. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 says, I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small standing before the throne and books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The very next verse, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And just goes on to talk about God dwelling among his people and wiping away our tears, and there'll no longer be any sorrow or death or mourning or crying or pain. All these things are passed away. Verse 5 says, chapter 21, and he who sits on the throne says, behold, I am making all things new. I'm making all things new. You know what that means for you and me? That means that we can trust in God 
to bring about that day. And you say, guys, is it really okay to be happy about the fact that all these things are going to happen? These people, look, look, here's the thing. When you and I get to heaven, our minds and our spirits are going to be so transformed. We're going to be able to look at life and reality and humanity and sin and everything else the way that God does. We'll be made complete in that day. We'll be in our glorified bodies. We'll be able to see a perspective that we can only by faith see right now. And in that day, we're going to be able to see justice and sin and people deserving punishment the way God does. And we'll not rejoice in their punishment per se, but we will rejoice in God's righteousness that he is ruling and he is ridding the universe of all sin so that we can reign with him. We can enjoy eternity with him. Yes, God is going to make everything right. And not one sin, listen to this, not one sin will go unpunished in this universe. Every sin that has ever been committed will either be pardoned in Christ or punished in eternity. Those are the only two options. And that's why we tell people about Jesus. God's going to make everything right. Number six, with Christ, I can handle anything. I can handle anything. You know, we quote Philippians 4.13 a lot. It says, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't literally mean all things. You can't fly. You know, you can't, you know, you know jump to the moon. I mean, you, you can't do stupid things like that. What he's talking about is, is that whatever God has called you to do, whatever circumstances you find yourself in, you can do this. You can, you can handle this. Whatever life throws at you, you can handle it. It's not about, you know, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. Now, it's not about trying to see a silver lining or trying to make the best of things or grit your teeth and just get through it. It's not about any of that. It's about seeing what God has for you. It's about learning that, that you can depend upon his strength when your strength is gone. In that same passage, Paul talks about being learning to be content in whatever circumstances he finds himself in. And Paul probably experienced some things that he will likely never experience in his life. And when you look at your life and you begin to compare yourself to other people and you go, oh, well, I guess I'm pretty blessed after all. Because there are believers on other parts of the planet who are handling things. You know, they're handling the persecution and the suffering and the deprivation of what it means to be a Christian in their context, in their country. So there is no problem so big that you and God cannot handle together. No matter how rough the ride, no matter how bad life gets, not trying to say it's easy, but you can make it through the strength that Christ provides. Nothing can defeat you when you are depending on him and his power. If you didn't have that promise, it'd just be, I mean, just be what everybody else says. Good luck, man. Wish the best for you. I'm sending thoughts your way. You know, people say that stupid thing. I'm saying, you're in my thoughts and, you know, kind of. Guess what? What you need is for people to say, I am praying that God's strength will shine mightily through you, that you will depend upon his strength during this difficult hour. And by the way, I'm here for you as well, because that's another reason, how, another way how God shows his strength to believers is through other believers. So with Christ, you can handle anything. Here's the last one, last thought. Your name is written in heaven. The Father himself loves you. Jesus is coming back soon. It pays to serve God. God's going to make everything right. With Christ, I can handle anything. And finally, one day, 
One day I'll see God. One day I'll see God. Revelation chapter 22 says this. We, we find this in, the, in verses 3 through 5. Listen to this. It says, And there shall no longer be any curse. This is the new Jerusalem. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. Verse 4, And they shall see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Won't be any need any night any longer. No, no, have need for a light of the lamp or of the sun, because the Lord will illuminate them, and they'll reign forever and ever. See, one day we're going to see God. You know, it's like the old saying: "You ain't seen nothing yet." Well, Christian, you ain't seen nothing yet. On that day, our faith will turn into sight. And when you begin to think about that, that you're going to see God face to face. You're going to know what it means to be loved by him. I, I love what, it's a true story about the theologian Karl Barth. He was speaking at, at uh, Rockefeller Chapel on the campus of the University of Chicago and during, during some lecture tour in 1962. And then there was a and a afterwards. And somebody asked the professor, he said, um, can you summarize your entire life's work in theology in one sentence? And Karl Barth allegedly said this. He said, yeah, I can. In the words of a song I learned at my mother's knee, it said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You're not going to get any deeper than that thought. If you understand how much God loves you, everything else falls into place. But one day you're going to see that same God. That same God that loves you, you're going to see him. I love what J. Oswald Chambers wrote. He said this. He said, quote, when we see him, we will wonder that we could have ever disobeyed him. End quote. See, that's how great and grand and glorious and, yes, even beautiful the Lord Jesus Christ is. That's how radiant and how righteous and how great his reign is going to be. That when you see him, it's going to do a whole lot more than take your breath away. It's going to make everything you did for him here on earth make sense. Because now, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, we, we see through a mirror dimly, but then we're going to see, see him face to face. We're going to know him as we are known. And that, my friend, is a truth, a radical, transformative truth that changes your life. I encourage you to dwell on those truths. These aren't devotional thoughts. These are like deep wells that you just go explore in, and you never get enough of it, and you can never explore the totality of the depth of the truth in those statements from God's word. And yet, why not dive in and enjoy? Why not allow that to cleanse your thoughts and form new kinds of positive, godly root systems in your brain? And when you do that, it transforms your emotions and eventually has an impact on your choices as well. My friend, that's just some of the truths that we find in God's word that absolutely 
changes our lives, the way we look at reality, the way we perceive everything in this life. It all begins by allowing God's Word to take charge of our minds. Hey, I hope you have a great week. I'll see you soon on the Venice Truth Podcast. We'll talk about some more great truths together. God bless you. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.